We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. So welcome to episode 139 of the Beyond 90 podcast, Australia's longest running women's football podcast. This is Eric Subihano uh, back in the hosting chair and we're doing this a little bit later in the week. We're recording on a Tuesday night. So apologies for the delay, but hopefully uh, that won't stop you from enjoying the latest installment of our wonderful chat about everything that's good and unfortunately a bit too much that's bad in the world of women's football. We've got a slightly different trio uh, for you this evening. So firstly, um, We'll start with the regular. So up in Brisbane, Magella Card, how's things uh, been going for you over the past week? I'm good. I'm good. The um the extra days let me just calm down after mm-hmm. dub dub sadness for me. Mm-hmm. But you know we roll on. We roll on, and yeah, lots of good stuff to look forward to. Yes, uh, good to hear. Uh, of course, what is uh, being a football fan if not uh, constantly recovering from your trauma? And of course, to complete this trio, it's uh, we're, it's great to have her back on the Beyond 90 podcast. The woman I like to refer to as the fairy godmother of Beyond 90 from Victoria, Cheryl Downs. How's the week been for you? Oh, it's been great. And it's been great to be back on the pod. Apologies for my administrative errors with a calendar for not getting on the pod yesterday. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to line everything up, but I'm not sure how I feel about not being the regular person anymore. So I might need to address something to do with that. Um, but it's always good to have maybe, it in your hands. Maybe you should be like at the beginning of Melrose Place and they had the credits. Always at the end, it was and and Heather Locklear. You're like, uh-huh. you make a guest appearance and you're like, the, the, you get the big <laughs> credit and Cheryl. <laughs> I, I like that better than a regular um sounds like a metamucil ad or, or something or other ah yes well um yeah maybe i did th- think about my wording for future episodes also i mean just going off at a tangent cheryl how do you feel about being compared to headlock here <laughs> <laughs> um look you know i don't know how much football she's ever played in her life i'd far rather be compared to a footballer maybe that's a segment like who who would we compare ourselves most to in you know all the people out there maybe i'm a bit of a polx but i feel like i'm a bit of a mini as well i don't know (laughs) how about you eric oh goodness i'll I'll need at least a week to think about that um so apologies for my tangent everyone let's get on to our featured matilda so it's matilda's cap 139 lauren colthorpe made her debut for the green and gold in 2005 and the last cap was in 2011. Her grassroots club was Warner's Bay Panthers up in the Hunter Valley. Uh, Lauren made 50, had 51 caps for the Matildas with seven goals and uh, position listed as either a midfielder or a defender, although I think, uh, think Magic Lee certainly remembers her more as a defender. Uh, that debut was against China, a 3-0 win against China, which... Um, Long-time Matildas fans will know those things certainly not guaranteed back in the day, victories over China. And that uh, and is that game, Lauren Colthorpe's debut on the lovely Central Coast in November 2005. So she played in quite a few tournaments, did Lauren. Um, the, F- the FIFA Under-19 Women's World Championship in 2004, uh, the 2004 OF- Oceania Under-20 Championship, 
and then uh, Senior World Cups in 2007 and 2011, then the 2008 AFF Women's Championship, the Southeast Asian one, and the victorious 2010 AFC Women's Asian Cup campaign. Uh, so as you would suspect for someone who grew up in the Hunter Valley, she played uh, WNSL or Ansett Summer Series for Northern New South Wales Pride, but then she made a bit of a switch when the dub started playing for Brisbane Raw. And as is generally the case with um, Australian women, Australian women footballers. He's also spent a season at Fortuna Hearing in Denmark, like so many other Australian women. So uh, we certainly hope whether Lauren is at the moment that she's doing well. And um, and uh, as I'm sure, I have faith that she's improving whatever little part of the world she's currently in. So uh, let's move on to the hot topics. And of course, as the World Cup looms ever closer, it's about four months now. Uh, well, where, where's the time gone? It's it's just going to get uh, really ramp up and up the excitement and the anxiety as well about this World Cup. Uh, so the first item on uh, pod notes, and of course, as always, I'll link to these in our show notes. It's uh, many women's national teams calling on FIFA to equalize uh, the World Cup money between the women's version and the men's version, and also calling on them to create a global collective bargaining agreement. Now, uh, leave, I think I'll start this with well, either of you two, but whatever it is, it just feels like things are moving, but they're moving at a snail's pace. Um, yes, yes and no. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's definitely been some acceleration of that mm -hmm. snail's pace recently, but we can definitely see that there's still a long way to go. In some respects, I'm happy that it's moving because it's not always been the case. It's felt pretty stagnant for a while. Um, is any movement good movement? Maybe not. Like I, I definitely think that we need to commit and look after the footballers much more and commit to development and through financial development, I think is in incredibly important as well. So yes, it's got a way to go. It is getting better, but I'm, I'm not happy that that's enough. And, and obviously the players aren't either, but yeah, I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is, Thank you, um, not not you directly, because I haven't seen your money in that FIFA pool, but uh, apart from merchandise. But what I'm trying to say is that it's good that it's moving and improving it, and we need to acknowledge the hard work that people have done to get that there, because I'm sure it hasn't been easy. But, yeah, we definitely look forward to the future and more movement. Yeah, and I think one of the um, interesting points that, uh, I'm not sure if it was in the FIFA Pro um, letter, but, but I, d I definitely read it somewhere. But it, FIFA are, are a not-for-profit organization, apparently. So allegedly, I just say yeah. allegedly. <laughs> so there's there's always the argument about you know when, when talking about equalizing you know uh, prize money, it's like well you know the women don't generate as much revenue as the men, but it's like I mean that shouldn't be the prime the prime. Um, criteria it's 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 more look at FIFA should be looking at the potential of the women's game and I think what I really um really liked about the FIFA pro statement was uh was the focus on um assisting players um to be able to uh have have the structures that they needed in order to uh help themselves with their own federation. So, I mean, I think it acknowledged that, you know, countries like Australia and the US have fairly good, um, you know, collective bargaining agreements now, but um, having uh, that sort of focus uh, 
from to help benefit players all around the world, regardless of the different structures um, that they you know, players may have been able to negotiate for themselves. But it's, it's about yeah, you're raising the standards everywhere. So and 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 the prize money is part of that because I think we've seen previously where um, uh, the the prize money hasn't even gone to the players. So even if if even if players made it to a World Cup and all of all of the sacrifices that so many women players have had to do to make it to World Cups, and then if there has been any prize money, it's gone to a federation that maybe hasn't even really done much to um, one reward them as players or even necessarily put it back into the women's game in their own country. So, yeah, it's 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 lining all of those things up to to get the the best outcomes. It was interesting that they talked about broadcasting as well in one of the articles saying that the broadcasters need to come to the table and throw more money in there as well. Uh, and is that deflecting? Because I, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked at, at the financial statements of these people, but yes, there's improvement needed everywhere. But I think very good points from Madge. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, like the point in the article uh, from the ABC that, uh, of course, just remember, it's not just about money and chucking cash at people, but things like pregnancy policies. That's been a big thing recently with players like Emma McCandy and Melanie Lupoltz. I hope I got those two players right. But also medical insurance and just general resourcing, that it's not just about the money, it's about the support structures as well. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, think, unless anyone had anything more to add, I'd, I'll move on to the second piece, which I think we've been discussing a fair bit recently, but uh, this topic, but FIFA have announced to scrap the Visit Saudi sponsorship of the 2023 Women's World Cup after public backlash. I think we've we've spoken about this enough in uh, previous episodes, and yeah, it's good, although I do need to echo um, Dale's point from previous podcasts that they'll just sports wash in a less obvious manner, unfortunately. I, unfortunately, I think I share his view there. But I suppose it's good at least that it won't be that it won't be this particular um, sponsor for shall we, for a country that is let's be let's be clear um, quite unfriendly to a lot of the people that will be playing in the Women's World Cup or in, even being spectators. Yeah, I don't know much more what you can say about that one. I mean, it. it I don't know how far it got through the decision process. Mm -hmm. And then that's something that kind of is a worry to see how much, how much do they have their ear to the ground or not even to the ground, how much are their ears open before they hear that maybe this isn't the the smartest direction to go. But I, I think there was an article from Moya Dodd as well, who called out some of the good things that they have been doing in Saudi Arabia in terms of improving things, but that doesn't, that doesn't um, wash enough of a lot of challenges there. W would I feel safe and happy going to visit or, you know, to participate in Visit Saudi by actually going there and spending my money as a, um, a same-sex attracted person? Gee whiz, I, I don't think so. And I think I'm not necessarily representative of every single person who might be interested in the World Cup, but there's a few like me. So, yeah, it's just kind of... It's football to some degree. Walk in with a smile on your face, walk out being slapped. Yeah, and I think it's also that, um, and, and I know I've seen some Twitter threads where people have gone, well, it's FIFA, they don't care. But it is, it is odd, even just from the, the, the tourism perspective, um, 
you've got two countries that are putting a lot of investment into hosting uh, a World Cup and just to even have a tourism board of a country that's not actually the hosts just seems it 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 just all points to the fact that it was it was a deal that was done based on the men's world cup and they were just bring it bring it over to the women's it's it, like and as as you know as one of the one of the drivers towards the the consideration of it as well so um I think I think the local organising committees and and the governments in Australia and New Zealand that have been supporting um, the World Cup will be will be very happy um, to see that there isn't a um, another tourist uh, organisation um, getting their logo put it put all over our stadiums. So yeah, yes. And uh, Saudi Arabia, although I haven't been there in like twenty five years, but the memories not the easiest country to visit as a tourist because at the time you needed to be sponsored by someone already residing in the country so not not it's not exactly like hopping over the tasman and going to new zealand uh, that's enough of that topic uh something a bit lighter and we don't have to spend too much time on this but the list of women's world cup training venues was published and yeah i'll put that in the article and i'll i'd also like to lead not with the point one people would expect me to make but zambia the only team based in my beloved Hamilton, New Zealand, the black town of New Zealand, as I like to call Hamilton. So I hope they end, they love Hamilton as much as I do. But uh, did either of you have any strong thoughts about the bases? I'm fairly confident Madge will have very strong thoughts about where certain teams are located. Cheryl seems to want to say something. Oh, okay. I do, I, I do want to say something. I think it's weird that they publish this Having been in the media before, you know, do even the media necessarily need to know because there are a mix zones and media opportunities to connect with people. If you're pushing it out to media, then you'd also like to think that uh, the media have rules of their accreditation, which is to be, uh, I don't know what's ex explicitly in there, but mindful and respectful and to be a professional as a media person. Putting this out into the public, I, I I just think it's a little bit weird because 98% of the public or 99% of the public are probably going to be like, oh, yeah, great. Might be nice to swing by and see, you know, if anyone's out nearby having a coffee or something. But I just wonder from a security perspective whether or not this is essential to be out there more generally and would it be safer to kind of just say, leave it alone. I don't know. Or maybe it's about, you know, is women's football nice and open and just put it out there. I don't know if they publish the, the men's um, training venues and hotels and stuff like that. I Yeah, it's just, for me, it's weird. I don't think everyone needs to know. I don't know whether or not the players feel entirely comfortable mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you would you would think that um well you would would hope that there should be some decent security oh, yeah. uh, around around the hotels in particular, um, the training venues as well. I mean th those teams around the training venues they won't be wanting you know any uh, opposition team spies getting in and seeing what they're doing as well. So I would especially think that the training venues um, outside of if they you know if individual teams might decide to do open training sessions or something to you know sort of um, ingratiate themselves with the communities, mm -hmm. which would be lovely to see, and um, I'm sure some of them will. Uh, but yeah, the um, the the hotel stuff. Yeah. Um, again, I mean, you you would just hope that the security protocols are going mm -hmm. are going to be a, a pretty good. Um, yeah, it it 
yeah, you, you hope it's just not something that they're copying and pasting perhaps from mm -hmm. the men's game, but they're not bringing over all of the same uh, protocols around security. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hope, yeah, hopefully whatever the situation is there matches. And yeah. security can be flawed as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, uh, in in many ways, security can be flawed. They can either be overzealous or or they can have, you know, maybe they don't have enough resources or maybe they do a brilliant job, but they're under potentially extra pressure through having those kind of things published. So like, a, like I said, for me, I don't think it's essential for it to be there. I think this is a professional tournament and the players need to be focusing on that. And this yeah, just seems like a bit of a distraction. I'm sorry for any fans out there who love the fact that it's on there and love the fact that they might be able to go and get a sneaky look at some of the players up close, which is nice. I get it. Um, but I'm just trying to think of them as professional athletes and what's the best environment for them to well, be. Well, I mean, I, I know that I just in the lead up in the first week that Ireland are in Brisbane, they're at South Bank, where to take my fireworks to be, you know, sort of Madge. late, um, late night late, late, Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you sound like you're scared, Madge. <laughs> <laughs> and any advantage is good advantage. <laughs> I mean, I deserve to hear that. Although, but I must say, but the Matildas are just down the road. So if I made too much of a noise, it might be <laughs> the Matildas as well. So great equalizer. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd like to thank Shell for dampening my excitement upon seeing my beloved Valentine Sports Park on this list. So you're all right. You're absolutely right. The hotels don't need to be there. That is very strange. Um, the point I might want to make, I'm not sure how much this would diffuse any concerns, but the general gossip around football is such that uh people would have known which countries were where at least the locals anyway like i knew france was going i heard france was going to valentine sports park last year so i think that's not not putting the specific training venue wouldn't have actually made it extra secure if that makes sense because people would have found out anyway but yeah you're right about the hotel that is very strange and uh yeah not necessary but it's it's there for i mean we might as well put it in our show notes in case people are interested because well it's out there in the public anyway um so well that's where the i mean the fifa fan zone is going to be at south bank so there you go you can you can go to the fifa fan zone in brisbane and then go hang outside um the hotels of australia and, and ireland while you're there so yeah and uh yes and um despite what I assume most of my Twitter followers will think I will not be making a pre-tournament visit to Brisbane because I'm very busy. And also I'm, I also have saving my leave requests for the actual tournament itself. But uh, yeah, so what's next? Uh, I'm as prepared as usual. Ah, yes, this was a lovely one. Um, a piece, a lovely piece um, written during the week about uh, Lewis FC, the world's only gender equal football club. They participated in the weekend's FA Cup quarterfinals and it's Lewis FC. So it was written very appropriately by um, Beyond 90 alumnus Samantha Lewis. Um, and just as I pull, I'd like to give our listeners a peek behind the curtain. I'm very time poor. So uh, when I prepare for this podcast, uh, for some reason, I'm considered worthy enough of being Facebook friends with Samantha. So I just go through her Facebook timeline and um, copy anything that's relevant to our podcast from what she's posted into the pod notes. And there we go. That's the discussion. So yes. Um, nice little shout out in there as well for women on side. And we did have a 
I'm I'm part of Women on Site, and I can't remember when exactly when it was, but we did have a a webinar together with Lewis FC in mm-hmm. there, which was wonderful. With the wonderful Maggie Murphy was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. So I think that's linked in Sam's article as well. So yes. jump in and have a look. And the other thing that's cool in there is that it does talk about the vegan food offerings yes. at the ground, which for me I would love there to be an article about all the vegan food offerings around the world. I would hope that Portland would have some at their venue. If there's any Portland fans listening in, please ping me to tell me what I could get there as vegan food in, instead of, I, I remember the 2015 Women's World Cup final, smuggling in my vegan cookie and then having my bag searched and having to throw it out. But, you know, I was fine. It's not like I have to eat every couple of hours. Yeah, no, I'm the beyond 90 person that has to eat every couple of hours. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so a couple of interesting things from this um, Lewis FC article about, I like the statue, um, Anne, Bonnie and Mary Reed, uh, two women pirates from the 1700s, see, I've already got your interest, who dressed as men to escape poverty and patriarchy, then fell in love with each other as they stole ships, treasure and hearts around Jamaica and the wider Caribbean. So uh, Lewis FC stepped in after the original uh, county of Devon, um, said this isn't inappropriate for uh, their place. So now that is, I think, outside the stadium, I believe. And um, another thing, and I mean, by the way, there is more serious discussion about just how their equality um, and how happy Isabel Dalton and Libby Copas Brown, two Australians, are, are to be at a gender equal football club. But, oh, goodness, well, I miss my notes. I think one of the best things is that you can own a piece of the club. Yes. That's, that's um, that community ownership model is um, it's one that I think uh, you would think a lot of people here want to aspire to. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, it's, it's difficult to get, get up and running, but um, they've obviously done a fantastic job of it in, in Lewis. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to see that happen a little bit more often around the, the traps here in Australia. Yeah, and uh, the point is made in the article, they're kind of the antithesis of what, um, unfortunately, the top end of English men's football has become, where you're reliant on the 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 like disgustingly wealthy owner to, to get anywhere near a chance of success. And if that person walks away, there could be problems. And also the um, you know, pretty much hideous um, influence of gambling on English, the top two divisions of English men's football these days. But yeah, I finally found what I wanted to say. Um, yeah. As Cheryl said, the matchday menu consists of several vegans, vegan options. The corporate boxes are repurposed beach huts lining the old stone walls. And after games, players mingle with fans at the clubhouse bar that serves locally brewed craft beers, ciders, and Prosecco on tap. And if that wasn't enough, the stadium has one, Lewis FC Stadium has one of the best names I've ever heard in world football, the Dripping Pan. It's just such a wonderfully quaint old English name. Might even be the oldest um, English football stadium full stop, but... I don't know, I'm not sure about that. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of them. So that's something I definitely recommend people read. Uh, let's make it more local and great news uh, during the week. Melbourne is going to host the 2023 IFCPF Asia Oceania Championships. So that's para football uh, for those. And that'll be women's and men's, of course. So we do get to see the para Matildas and the para Roos in action. That'll be at La Trobe University in Melbourne from the 31st of October to the 12th of November this year. So that's just that's just good news all around. Sensational news. Good on Melbourne. Great to host something. That you might need to knock that chip off your shoulder, Cheryl. 
<laughs> no, no. We we all know it's the state of football for New South Wales or Sydney more particularly. Oh, let's not harp on about it. Let's talk about dub because isn't dub exciting? It is. Um, so before we get to the games, uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on announcement that the A-Leagues will uh, have targeted Canberra and Auckland for expansion ahead of the 2024-25 season. So Auckland, uh, if that works out, would become the second uh, New Zealand team, of course, and it is now a requirement that um, any new entrants to the A-Leagues have a women's team as well as a men's team. So that's the challenge for Auckland and Canberra. As we all know, they have a beloved women's team. So I suppose their particular challenge is how best to integrate a new men's team if expansion gets up with uh, much love Canberra United. So yeah, like the the thoughts I'm welcome or thoughts about the choice of cities, um, challenges for either of those two venues, etc. I think the two cities make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must say I I I am worried <laughs> about um about how the Canberra mm-hmm. um men's team will be added. Um they've said all I mean they said all the right things in, in, in the release, wanting to make sure that they capitalize on the um on the fan base and um, an existing culture um, that Canberra United's worked so hard to build um, in in the women's football space. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that that doesn't get diluted in in any efforts to um, you know privatize um, the club, which mm-hmm. seems to be um, the the road that they really want to go down. I think it could be a little bit treacherous for them in, you know, this, the fan base is not the same necessarily. Like the people who want to watch dub are not necessarily the same people who might want to watch a, a men's team. Um, so it's not a like for like comparison. And I think some of the beauty of Canberra is the fact that it's been able to focus on developing its women's team throughout. So to me, I'm almost less worried about the men's and more worried about the women's about whether or not there's any impact to, I mean, there, there will be, I hope it's a positive impact as opposed to a negative impact. I don't know enough about it, but you know, what we can do is we can certainly go off and have some conversations with people who have been in and around Canberra and will give us some, some good opinions. Someone like Stefan might be able to give us a shout out on, on how he thinks it will work for them. I think surely there's an appetite it seems to be a, a great sports loving kind of town they deserve if anyone deserves they deserve to have a, a men's team there but yeah i very much hope that it's measured managed and balanced in terms of its impact on the women yeah uh, i like the point about the atmosphere uh yeah so um canberra united games are thankfully almost always uh, free of the kind of uh, toxic masculinity that's uh, too present in A-League men's games. And so it, I hope that certainly they keep that kind of atmosphere because it certainly feels different going down there and we all love a trip to McKellar Park. Uh, did anyone have any thoughts on Auckland? I think it's, um, although it's a cross-confederation thing with Asia and Oceania, I think it's... I remember when Australia left uh, Oceania to join the Asian Football Confederation, and I think people were saying there's we we still had a responsibility to help the confederation we left behind where necess- when we could. So I think um, a women's team in Auckland would be great because uh, Wellington Phoenix have been great value since uh, they they joined the dub, but they can only sign so many players. 
Yeah, I think it's terrific to have them there personally. Um, when I think about the the New Zealand Football League or the Women's Football mm -hmm. League, I think it was a very short season mm -hmm. and it's region-based as opposed to team-based, if my memory serves me correctly. Mm -hmm. yep, that's right. Um, I think having them involved in contributing to um, a down-under league or a down-under-ish, sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to infer that uh, New Zealand loses its identity, but I think, you know, they're they're close enough that it should be valuable to add to our league. And if, if the dub is to compete with other leagues around the world, not necessarily in the top tier, but maintain, you know, its strength as a development kind of league, I think this is a great thing for it. Yeah, certainly. So uh, much, plenty of food for thought. Now, uh, kind of happy, but sad news next in case you missed it, Ellie Brush has announced her retirement. Um, she's been such a wonderful servant to Canberra United, to just to Australian football in general, and one of those uh, multi-sport geniuses. She's also played in AFLW. So we certainly wish, uh, wish uh, Brushy all the best. She was very generous with her time when I, as her uh, aspiring writer, uh, wanted to interview her for Beyond 90 uh, back in 2019. So I'm certainly grateful for that and yes it's just uh it's great it was great to see her move on from uh the those two acl injuries kind of like getting them back to back so to speak and fight and finally uh completing another yet one more season with her beloved canberra united but and before i throw to you two just uh would like to remind the people once again of uh the dale roots his idea about um, the collection of Canberra United's greatest ever players, he would call it Mount Brushmore, which I think is a fabulous name. <laughs> well, that'll have to be the pod title for sure. Yes. Look, um, Ellie Brush is probably, maybe aside from someone like Steph Catley, my most regular queen of the week. Um, I, I love Ellie. I love her commitment to football. I'm a big fan of Canberra. I mean, people probably know that anyway. I almost felt like we lost her a little while ago um, when she was dabbling in AFLW. And certainly when she went to Sydney, that was different for me as well. But um, great to have been able to see so much of her career in playing. And and when we when we say retirement, I think the thing to remember is that Canberra in particular does a great job of keeping the players in and around the the team. So Caitlin Munoz, um, Nicole, and and Ash, and Grace, uh, there, and Grace Gill, like they keep them there. So it might be a retirement from the context of of playing on the field, but I, I certainly think and and would hope that she would continue to be around. Um, and yeah, certainly wish Ellie and her family all the very best. I know that she's going through some things at the moment and I wish her all the very best with that. And yeah, with, with her new little bub and, and whatnot as well. So yeah, all the best, Ellie. Love you. Madge, got anything to add about brushing? Oh, I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah, just yeah, a champion sort of player and um, unfortunately, we didn't see as much of her as we would have liked, thanks to those uh, always annoying uh, injuries, which I feel like it, that's, we've just got that on repeat whenever anyone ever retires or um, we talk about them. But um, yeah, and, and I, even thinking back to that season, like b before the last ACL, I mean, she was playing such great football and sort of was like, yeah, um, 
So a couple of years on retirement. I hope, I hope she enjoys it. Um, I, I'm sure she will continue giving to the game uh, in many ways. But yeah, so a fantastic career. Certainly. Now, um, it's a less permanent goodbye, but uh, one I think Madge saw coming, still still sad to see it happen, is that uh, Katrina Gori uh, is going back to her parent club in Sweden, which I think is Vitsor. Yes, I've just got, pulled up the article in time. And so, as we saw on Sunday, missing the remainder of the A-League women's season. Uh, so, uh, Madge, just, um, I don't know. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, it, it was expected, but I think what I found most odd was the lack of mm-hmm. notification or announcement about <laughs> yep. it. Yep. Um, and also um, Kaiser Lind also mm. went back to yep. to Sweden. So it's, it's um, oh, Sweden, yeah. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it's, it's um, just interesting. Like, I, I don't know if there were um, different clauses that were, we weren't sure um, you know, what games were going to be played, um, negotiating for, you know, release for Matilda's games, um, you know, affecting exactly when when she went back. But it did seem um, the silence was deafening, mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. So uh, that was probably uh, a bit disappointing that, um, um, you know, fans and that couldn't, couldn't make more of a, more of a fanfare about, uh, about her in her last game. Can I be cheeky and say, can you de- be disappointed if you have your bar set quite low? Because this is not a new kind of communication method. Mm-hmm. It's almost what we somewhat expect. <laughs> so, well, yeah. that's the thing. Is I, I, I kept expecting it to happen. Um, and as we get on to the next point, was I, I, I made the tweet, oh, no, we're not going to have Nori or Gori at the next game. And people were asking me, is Gori not playing? It's like, mm, I'm pretty sure she's going back. And so it's still just that uncertainty a few days out before um, yeah. before last round's game, um, nothing being announced. So, yeah, an odd one. And you got a double whammy as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, that goes, <laughs> yeah. that goes nicely oh. into the next one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, look, it does. I mean, I, I don't think it's as egregious as the one that happened to Canberra. I mean, I do think there's some culpability for the club here as well to um, take responsibility for, you know, knowing what the rules and regulations are and keeping track of yellow cards. But it, it does just raise the question. I mean, because it's, it's not a great look. It's not a great look to to go through a round and then and, and then a few days later be deducting teams um, for, uh, in the case of the Brisbane one, probably preventable um, um, uh violations of, of the regulations I, mean, I'm, I don't really have an issue with the actual you know punishment or anything it's just it's just very depressing it's like yeah. and what was the chain of events like it's I'm, I'm assuming well actually I don't know what the regulations used to be was it three or four yellow cards it was always four yeah so I mean I, I don't know whether or not is it was it just a complete oversight what's the responsibility of the league to be you know sending notifications to to clubs if if players are flagged for for suspensions um uh yeah it's 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 because even though yes you can say it's the club's responsibility to keep keep track of those things it's still a really bad result for the league to have those sorts of um situations happening after the fact uh and and it can really, as much as letting an ineligible player play a game, it, it um, affects the integrity of the league. Um, awarding a team a 
three goal win um, also affects the integrity if you know if, if things come down to the wire with that other team and, and where they might end up on the ladder so fortunately I think in this case it's probably not going to have two dire consequences one way or another and also I'm not sure did we ever hear what happened with the Canberra um, they're waiting for the appeal to be waiting for the um, heard, I think. I, I have a question as well. When does, and I should know the answer to this myself, but when does the team need to be submitted? Because it's not the hour before that you get the team sheet. It, is it not a day or so before that this is the team that we're fielding? Uh, and usually, who, yes. What's the uh, point of that if someone's not checking? Um, well, you, I, I think you only need that ins and outs stuff. That's not really official. So no, no, exactly. Yeah, but so I, I thought that I think they the only had official thing is sixty minutes before, or or maybe ninety minutes before for the dub. But uh, yeah, only... and maybe they need to add some more rules in there. I mean, who wants more rules? Mm. But um, if it's enabling the game to just be smoother, like no one wants to play ninety minutes, have a result, and then the result be not the mm. result. So maybe a, a wee bit of checking. Yeah. yeah. Sorry if someone already does that, and I, I acknowledge that little errors well clearly nobody was mm-hmm. so. yes yes <laughs> i think, I think you're think you're safe with that cheryl because um we wouldn't be talking about this if <laughs> someone had uh, if there'd been the and processes thing, in it's, place it's yeah. not it's not the most complicated rule like i know we've mm-hmm. talked about with the um with the women's australia cup coming up that yeah. there can be very complicated eligibility things where you kind of understand why sometimes these things happen in in cup competitions where there's people moving between teams and and all those sorts of way more complicated eligibility um, criteria around team selection but accumulation of yellow cards it, I mean it someone's multiple people should be on top of that yeah so it's it's really my point um, it, the communication just I mean we've been saying this for years it needs to be better firstly with the Katrina Gorey stuff um, there's a Melbourne City player uh, apologies if I get the wrong player but somewhere in our beyond 90 squad page there's like an end date for their contract with city because i think they're going back to their nwsl parent club i'm my guess it's is it's amina ekich but that's not the point the point is that was communicated to the public and unfortunately that hasn't happened with katrina gory and kaiser lind so communication also works to the second one um so for the local association uh that i work for in sydney manly Warringah football association let me tell you we if if that happened in our local comps it this situation would be completely unacceptable. And I think I think the CEO would be um, taking us all into the boardroom for a meeting so that it's happened on a national league is, and that is, is pretty much unforgivable in my opinion. But I, I'm shouting out to all the supporter groups out there that support your team by counting their yellow cards <laughs> yes. as well and just run up to the bench and just say, hey, no, no. I mean, you know, as supporters, if you want to get more involved in the game, that might be something that yep. you can do to help that, out. That, that, I like that lighthearted point because my understanding of this is they could be named in the squad, but they, it, the breach is only if they go onto the field. So if that player starts the game on the bench, there's still time for you to run up to the bench and say, oh no, we've count this player has four yellows. Please don't bring her, please don't put her on the field. So maybe, maybe I, feel, I feel like we can't encourage learned helplessness though. So <laughs> yes. it's like sometimes the mistake just needs to be made and someone needs to be really yelled at. Um, so that it doesn't happen again. Yep. Well, Question that's... for Lockie France as well. Lockie, in your amazing database that you maintain, 
do you count yellow cards or accumulated cards in there? Because Lockie's database might be able to just send out a weekly alert <laughs> to say no to this player. There's a shout out for you, Lockie. If you haven't got anything to do, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you're quite busy, but if not, there's a little improvement suggestion that you can do. Oh, I'm waffling away. Let's talk about football. Yes, uh, that's Lockie France. Uh, I, I, I like your ambition, Cheryl, but I think Lockie is too busy keeping track of um, every Australian women footballer that has spent like one day in the United States. Pickle, pickle. <laughs> yes. But yes, and, actually, and the FIFA rankings. Oh yes, and the and yes, that Lockie France uh, college Matilda's head honcho and the only the only person in the world that actually understands the FIFA women's national team rankings. So, so actual football, let's start with Friday night and a two-all draw between Adelaide United and the Newcastle Jets. Then uh, the trio of games on uh, Saturday, uh, chaotic and exciting one-all draw between Melbourne City and Sydney and Perth Gorey winning 1-0 in the second ever real distance derby away against uh, Wellington, a one-all draw between Canberra United and Melbourne victory. Then on a Sunday night, Western City Wanderers defeating Brisbane Raw by three goals to one. So what out of those five games uh, caught your attention? I, th- I think for me, it's City Sydney mm-hmm. and Canberra victory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they were kind of hard-fought draws for mm-hmm. probably, was it both the Melbourne teams who mm-hmm. scored second? I'm just trying That's to think. That's correct. And, and they are important to the end result. And I'm not saying that the other matches aren't because Perth getting some points keeps them in the hunt. I think Canberra mm-hmm. are just a smidge in the hunt as well. And shout out to... Michael Alsich, who has put together our beautiful graphic, which shows where your team could finish. Um, so yeah, I think they're the they're the very important ones for me. And what was it? Western United had a buy. Sydney has still got a couple of games or one game in hand, I think yeah, now. Yeah. So you know, the it's still alive. Who can win the actual premiership? So that's interesting as well. Yeah, it's. Yeah, mm. at, that, at the end of that Canberra victory game, you could really see. I think the Canberra players were quite deflated. Mm. You, you you know that they they really probably needed that win um, to to one just yeah peg victory back uh, and also sort of yeah push them um, up a little bit closer to the finals contention. So yeah, still possible, but um, yeah, I think that was a big result for victory. You, you could definitely tell that they were the, the happier team um, snatching the draw uh, there at the last minute. Yeah, uh, the point I wanted to make, it's uh, similar to the one last week that I think only one of our listeners will understand. Shout out to Megan, is basically uh, Wanderers uh, defeating Brisbane. So the Wanderers respecting Blacktown football heritage by being a black and red team that defeats a team wearing orange. No, I will not explain that any further, but rest assured, Brisbane Raw fans, that's not a slight on your particular club. It's a slight on someone else. <laughs> I, will, I will actually say, watching that game, because I did go into it, yes, with my little... Ghost face um, horror at having no Nori or Gory for the game. Mm-hmm. I actually think Brisbane played really well. So it's like we we're watching the game. Like I wasn't, you know, again, I think I said this last week and that as long as your team sort of plays with heart and, and sort of does their best, you, you, you can feel pretty good. And Wanderers, um, uh, Gordon grabbing a couple of goals and, um, and, and Claire Hunt also with a, with a great goal as well. They just took their chances. Brisbane, you know, had plenty of chances and, and just um, couldn't put them away. So, I, I, yeah, I was actually really happy with the way Brisbane um, played and it was just one of those games where, um, 
they just they just couldn't put away the chance the, the chances that they had. That's right. I, I think up. Brisbane's very much a danger game for Melbourne victory in the next round as well because nothing to lose, Cheryl, nothing to lose. <laughs> exactly. And you're right. It's not that they're not playing well. I mean, they're creating chances, but converting those and that's something Melbourne victory hasn't necessarily done super well throughout the season as well so that's that's a big game coming up the other thing that I would say about the um the match with Sydney I quite like their kit um you know instead of because I think Melbourne Melbourne City had their their blue kit yeah. which meant that Sydney were wearing the sunset black, kit. Uh, yeah black, is that what it's called yep yeah, that's what yeah. the official um club media guff was when they released it and i loved it so much that i bought one so <laughs> it is and in case oh yeah this is like one of the few custom kits that i haven't posted on um post this is the only custom kit i haven't posted on social media because i couldn't think of anything clever the day that i got it but yeah it does have it does have fenton five on the back in honor of really highly talented young defender Kirsty fenton but that's yeah that's very nice another tangent um yeah so the next round uh see what do we have uh newcastle versus wellington western united versus canberra sydney versus adelaide i hope to be at that game saturday afternoon in cogra and victory versus brisbane and then perth versus melbourne city so yes uh what stands out uh for the next weekend to you two oh western united and canberra western mm-hmm. wanting to consolidate a premiership and canberra wanting to jump into finals I think that's got a lot of, a lot at stake. Yeah. And and I think if we look at the other end of the spectrum as well, the Newcastle Gents against Wellington, Wellington have had some good results, some good games, and they're still fighting it out for the wooden spoon. So I think, you know, there's a lot in there as well. I noted today, I think it was Gary Van Egmond has been announced mm-hmm. as the um, the coach of the Newcastle Jets women for the 2023-24 season. So mm-hmm. they've got a, a permanent coach. I, I don't, yeah. Anyway, I'll just move on from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be big for them and I I also think there's quite a lot of live games still here I think Sydney are obviously trying to win the premiership Mm -hmm. so they'll want to beat Adelaide who haven't been at their best Melbourne victory against Brisbane Raw victory are still on that cusp of being able to get knocked out I think they're the only one of the current top four who can be taken out of the finals but Perth and Canberra will be cheering on Brisbane if I read Michael's graphic correctly City can be knocked out because they can be overtaken by victory and Perth. Oh, yes. Sorry. So, yeah. Yes. I'm looking at um, uh, teams below, but you're quite right. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, but it does look very nice at the moment, stacked with three teams from Melbourne and just the one from Sydney gives us a bit of a, a bit of a thing going on, but yeah, it's getting down to the really important part of the season and yeah, it's still live, which is fun. Yeah. And, and yeah. stressful. Oh yeah. Very stressful. Um, yeah. So just uh, looked at the schedule. So actually the three Saturday games, um, yeah, that the race for the premiership Western basically need to, to be Canberra because Sydney FC, as you mentioned, shall have that game in hand. And I I'd forgotten about the battle for the spoon and yes, with apologies to our friends, apologies to our friends in the Hunter Valley, but I'm backing Wellington and one of my favorite defenders, Mackenzie Barry to get the job done at number two sports ground and for Wellington Phoenix to avoid a second straight wooden spoon. I'd really love that. So uh, yes, just uh, briefly 
the, we've got obviously details of Aussies abroad as usual, but did anyone have anything they wanted to say before we moved on to Queens of the Week? Well, I think for the, is it for the FA Cup? Yes. We're talking about Sam Kerr versus Sam Kerr in the no, next um, no, game. No, that's, that, that's Australia versus Scotland is Sam Kerr. Is oh, the Sam, Sam Kerr sorry, Australia. Yes, and we haven't got that in here. That's still a couple of oh, weeks away, I think. Yeah, but actually, thank you for reminding me because um, uh, I should share that graphic that the Matildas socials posted, a brilliant graphic with, for those of you familiar with the Spider-Man meme, it's Aussie Sam Kerr and Scottish Sam Kerr pointing at each other. And just my particular point of interest, uh, that artist lives in Australia, but he is Irish. Yeah. Uh. Nice. Um, you know, I think the with the FA Cup, it's good that there were so many Aussies represented oh, in yeah. there. And it's, it is quite good to see Lydia Williams still sticking around um, with Brighton and Hove Albion. We, we like to see her getting, I, I don't know how much she played or if she played at all, but her team is still there in the FA Cup, which is good. Um, and interesting, really, to see Aston Villa take out Man City, yes. which I think was Rachel Daly and who was the other scorer there? Um, but anyway, so Emily Gilnick's team defeated the the Aussie-stacked City, which, yeah, I mean, it means that we've still got a couple of Aussies yep. around in there. Yep. Oh, by the way, the semi-final draw was done while we were recording this podcast. So I get some live reactions from you. It's Manchester United versus Brighton, featuring, as you said, Lydia Williams and lost Aussie Rebecca Stott. So the other semi is Emily Gilnick's Aston Villa host, uh, yeah, hosting, I think these are neutral, so hosting Sam Kerr's Chelsea. So here's your yeah. chance for your first reactions on those two games. Uh, I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it'll, it'll it'll be football. Um, if Aston Villa have taken out Man City, then the opportunity for them to do something to Chelsea still remains, and it's a a, a big deal. I think the FA Cup prize money has been increased as well. So yeah, it's important for the for the trophy, but it's also important from a financial perspective. I, I would have loved to have seen Lewis FC continue on a little bit longer and even Reading, to be honest, just because, you know, they might be in the top league, but it's not easy for them. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, there's FA Cup. Uh, I did point, and of course, we, uh, us at Beyond 90, we love uh, Nordic football. We love our Aussies in the Nordic competitions. I did miss a trick where I forgot to talk about the Danish Cup quarterfinals from two weekends ago. But yes, so two weekends ago, um, AGF featuring Matilda McNamara and um, lost Aussie Ali Green. They defeated uh, a team called JAI. They love their acronyms in Denmark. By five goals to nil, um, substitute appearances for Tilly Mack and Ali Green. Uh, but Ali Green on her AGF debut managed to set up one of the goals. So that was nice. And in the other one, one of... In one of the other quarterfinals, one of Madge's favorites, Winona Heatley, she started and helped FC Nordschalan defeat a team called NIF slash HG. So I think that might be some kind of merger. I have no idea what's going on there, but um, yeah. Th and then onto the semis uh, on the weekend. So it was all the Aussies in the same game and the Danish Cup semifinals are played over two legs. FC Nordschalan won uh, the first leg 1-0 over... AGF and once again sub appearances for Matilda McNamara and Ali Green and Winona Heatley starting for Nordschalan, thus continuing the point that Madge made last year. When when Winona Heatley starts, Nordschalan tend to win, so it's good to see that they finally figured it out. So uh, state 
Uh, if, does anyone have any particular views on the state football match? Did you get any get to any NPL Queensland on the weekend? I didn't get to any, but I did watch top of the table Gold Coast uh, taking on Lions, and mm. it was a thriller. Four uh, three the Lions in the end. Yep. A couple of pens, uh, and then Lions stealing it at the death. So. Um, but yeah, definitely looking more competitive um, um, this season. But Lions still um, still pipping them and, and sitting atop the table at the moment. Yeah, that's great. So uh, just quickly, um, you know, so we will have the Victoria results in our show notes. And just in NPL New South Wales, uh, there was we we this was the chat last year. We've already had a postponed game, so Institute Jets will be played at the later date. But we'll have the ref rest of the results in there i was at a very very warm christie park um to watch uh, northwest sydney spirit defeat macarthur rams last year's champions by two goals to one so does uh does kind of show that yeah it's going to be um competitive and it's good to see it's competitive in all the competitions really but yes on to queens of the week and cheryl you were very quick to get your selection in so please tell us what I, it is. and just before i get there as well just for victorian football oh, yeah, it's course. the first round yeah. so there were some interesting results there and i i think there's quite a bit of rivalry going on with some of those teams which mm. i don't feel like we always see but south mm. melbourne and heidelberg united have had i think there was a player swapped from one side to the other side yes. so so um, Molly was at that game. So you oh, can have a look was. at Molly's Molly's uh, football rants. So I think go have a look there. But a couple of draws as well, which is interesting. And then there's one match being played at the moment, always Monday night at the Venito Club or Venuto Club, however you pronounce it, Bulleen Lions against the Burundara Eagles. So, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it and we'll try and do some uh yeah try and keep you updated as regularly as possible but if we're not doing it uh, i think football victoria are doing a, a pretty good job with lots of commentary uh so definitely get your eyes in there and the season guide is pretty comprehensive i don't know whether or not the other states do uh great comprehensive se- season right. guides like that i hope they do um uh, but there'll be a link to it in the show notes yeah uh, yes, you have done that. Yeah, it's a great season guide. And um, yeah, uh, well, for MPL New South Wales, I think people just message me and if they want information. <laughs> Sadly, that's, that's what it is up here. Yikes. Um, but on to my queen of the week, if that's okay. Oh, sorry. For... I just, Cheryl, could I just wait? Because just want to shout out to the new teams to NPL Victoria. Just congratulations to them. That's Preston Lions, Southern United and the Burundara Eagles. So comps expanded from eight to 10 teams uh commiserations to whoever got relegated and apologies that i couldn't remember your name but three new faces and good to see expansion of npl victoria oh i'm happy for any delay to talk about more things victorian that's that's fine with me um queen to the week i think you threw to me just before and i've written in there very predictable but it's always ellie brush for me um, it was a really nice post in there from A-League Women or Liberty A-League just with a beautiful photo, Heather Reed presenting um, Ellie Brush and a nice little comment there from Grace Gill as well. So, look, I just think uh, it, she's been great playing in the league and be sad to see her not playing there, but I'm sure we'll st- still see her around. Yeah. So my Queen of the Week. Yeah, lovely. And it, as you said earlier, it does look like uh, Canberra United have just added someone, an incredible human being to their mentorship group. Madge, uh, because this podcast recording was delayed by a day, you saw something just in time and that's how you picked your Queen of the Week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Optus Sport just put out a on the Twitter and on um, is it I'm sure it might be on their Instagram as well, but a great profile on Winnie Heatley over in her Danish club, um, FC Norgeland. So 
Um, really just wonderful little profile there and, and talking about uh, the setup at the club there, the hotel that they live in and like they're near the field as well and and the owners of the club, um, everyone has the right to dream. Uh, so the owners of the actual club uh, also run sort of academies all around the world um, for, you know, for, for players um, who may otherwise not uh, have the ability to access um, their football dreams, these, this company um, makes it happen. So, yeah, fantastic profile for a fantastic fantastic player who hopefully we'll see in the Matildas a little bit more in the future. Yeah, and my Queens, I've got a couple of Emilys this week. So, firstly, although Lewis FC were defeated by Manchester United in the FA Cup quarterfinals, Ireland's own Emily Craft scored a wonderful goal, and I've embed the video in that in case you hadn't in the article in case you hadn't seen it. And of course, I do have to shout out my employers. So shout out to Manly United striker Emily Minette, who scored a hat-trick um, in Manly United's trip down to the South Coast and their 3-0 win over Illawarra Stingrays. So uh, any last thoughts before I wrap this up? Oh, just a shout out to, uh, I think, uh, a couple of people from the pod, Dale. I think he's having a, a wonderful holiday somewhere and hopefully we get to see Stefan back soon as well, given that we've got some Nordic football coming in our way soon. Yes. Thanks for the shout out. Um, uh, Stefan and I will be back with the Nordic reps, I think, when the actual league play starts, which uh, may be the first weekend of April, first weekend of April, but you'll know when you see the Nordic reps start up once again. But uh, yeah, that's all we have time for. So uh, on behalf of Cheryl Downs and Magella Card, thanks for your support. And thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Beyond 90 podcast. Take care, stay safe. Uh, we hope you have a life full of good vibes, good coffee, wrestlers and team officials that can count yellow cards properly. See you next time.